We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 19. So Luke chapter 19, four verses. Doing a little diversion from our Come Follow Jesus series to do three, three weeks on our vision. Discipleship, prayer, and outreach. So then he went into the temple, this is Jesus, and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. And we're unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So Lord, we thank you again. We are attentive. We want to hear you. We want to have our, our, our ears tuned, Lord, into you right now. Your word that we might hear and hear under it. We might, Lord, not only hear, but then as James says, be doers of the word. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless this time we're in your word right now talking about prayer, and Lord, we all know the battle it is in our prayer lives. We come before you, Lord, and we acknowledge that. We know that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. We know that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We know, Lord, that we should watch and pray, that we should pray without ceasing. So, Lord, I pray you would encourage us now. That's our prayer. We ask, Lord, that you would remove all distractions, that, Lord, you would give to us a little refuge right now in this room, in the lobby, that we might, Lord, again, be encouraged to keep on keeping on in this area of prayer. You said, the disciples said, teach us to pray, and you said, when you pray. So, Lord, we know that we only learn to pray when we pray. So I'm asking, Lord, for your blessing over the things that I've prepared that you break them fresh, feed us, Lord, we are hungry. We want to learn, we want to grow. So bless this time in your word now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So our mission, our ongoing purpose is to engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to equip the church to make disciples of Jesus Christ, and to enrich the community with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. So we look at our vision what the Lord gave to us as a mountain of discipleship. Now, we want to summit that. It's our vista. It's our outlook. It's our panorama. We want, to, we want to scale the heights for God to take us as high as he wants to take us. And once we get up there and we see it, then there's another one and another one. We are called to make disciples. Now, this morning, I want to focus on prayer. Our oxygen is prayer. Billy Graham said... The Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. Now, Billy Graham also said, I've read the last page of the Bible. It's all going to turn out all right. Unquote. Can you hear an amen? Now, to me, those two quotes capture the essence of prayer. Help me and forgive me. And I know it's going to turn out all right. Now, Billy Graham also said, the only time my prayers are never answered is on the golf course. <laughs> so this whole area of prayer, prayer is our oxygen. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Martin Luther. 
Our prayer life, someone said, you can always humble a person by asking them about their prayer life. Is that true for you? I'm sure that it is. We know the need for prayer. I don't have to preach on that. We know the Bible calls us to prayer. We know the scriptures pray without ceasing. We know that prayer basically is conversation with God. But what we want is intimacy that's going deeper with God. So we're not just having casual conversations as though God is some casual acquaintance. We want to go deep with the Lord in our relationship with him. And thus we must be people who are pursuing him. Seek the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. God said, when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found of you. God's not trying to hide. But the question is, am I wanting to go deeper with him in prayer? So Jesus went into the temple and said, this is my house. Now, we're not going to get into the behind the scenes on that. We will when we get into, as we continue on. But basically, it had become very corrupt, the temple, which was really to be a place where people came to commune with God. But it had become full of corruption and greed. And the, the, the guys running the tables there could care less if some people met God. What they wanted was to meet their greed. So that's sort of the setting. And Jesus said, this is my house. So he's quoting from Isaiah 56, 7. That building that was made with hands, the temple, God called his house. It was this place God said... He would dwell and meet people. It was to be a place where people came and met God and were meeting God. Today, that place is the church. The church, as Paul told Timothy, if I'm delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. It's the church. So when we came into this building this morning, and yes, it is just a building, I get that. But this building becomes a house of God because God has called his people to come and meet with him. Are you not thankful for our building? But it's just a building, and yet it becomes, God would say, my house. It's glorious to stop for a moment and consider the fact that God is meeting with us right now. That God himself has called us to this house, his house, to meet with him. So our worship team seeks to lead us in magnifying God. The job of a worship team is to magnify God. Make God bigger so that we see him and not them. And thus, they put a lot of time and energy to do just that so they're not a distraction. Are you not thankful for our worship team? Let me tell you, they got a tough job. Let me tell you, our sound guys have a tough job because what they're seeking to do is to get out of the way so there aren't distractions. But I will tell you, I've been involved. I used to lead worship for many years. I've been involved in sound ministry. And usually when they hear about it, it's not thank you for helping us magnify the Lord. It's how come, eh, eh, 
eh, yeah, I mean, you with me? So can we give it up for our worship and our sound, people? So let me add to that. When we come together, this is God's house. He wants to meet us here. We have people very imperfect, even as we were listening this morning, seeking the same thing that you're seeking, that I'm seeking, and that is to meet with God. So I find in my own personal worship time and prayer time, I must be very intentional. It doesn't just happen. Now, there are times when I'm feeling, yeah, got the vibe, sense the Holy Spirit. But there are many times where I have to come in and say, you know what, I'm going to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I'm going to say, Lord, thank you. In my prayer life, thanksgiving, entering his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Paul, in fact, when you read pray without ceasing, six times in the Bible, each time it has thanksgiving attached to it. In other words, if we're thankful people, we're probably going to be praying people. If we're praying people, we're probably going to be thankful people. We have a high priest over the house of God, and it's not the worship team, and it's not the pastors, it's Jesus Christ. Can you hear an amen? We have a high priest. Now, I want to ask you this morning, how do you enter another person's house? You see, I enter it very differently than when it's my house. Is that not true? When I go to another person's house, I'm very conscious of my conduct. I'm conscious and trying to be sensitive to what's going on in their house and their, the things that are going on. And it should be no different. This is God's house. When we realize that God has called us together, it's his house, it should really affect the way that we enter and the way that we act and the way that we interact. The time has come, Paul Peter wrote, for judgment to begin in the house of God. So when we come together, we come realizing this is God's house and we are God's people. And yes, it is a place where God wants to minister healing and wholeness, but how do we come together into his house? And Jesus said very succinctly, my house shall be called a house of prayer of communion with God, time with him. It's extremely profound. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, if that's what God calls it, we dare not call it something different. Or the question we must ask ourselves, I ask myself, as God looks at Calvary Chapel South, Is he calling it something different? Is this house, this church, a house of prayer? This is our vision. This is central to the other two, discipleship and outreach. Are we a house of prayer? What characterizes this church? 
What is it that we think of when we think of this house of God, this church? Now, is it a wonderful children's ministry? Is it a growing youth group? Is it a talented worship team? Is it the fact that we teach through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book? Is it the women's ministry or the men's ministry? Is it the first impression? You see, God didn't say my house should be called a house of children's ministry or of youth group or talented worship. He said my house shall be called a house of prayer. And if anything gets in the way of that, Jesus said, out with you. That's what he said. He drove them out. Now, I believe... And I am so blessed that we have a children's ministry, youth group. We have men's and women's ministries that are not in the way. And God's not saying out with it. He's saying praise, well, he wouldn't say praise the Lord, would he? (laughs) I believe as far as I can tell, as far as I know in my own heart, God is blessed by what he sees at Calvary Chapel South. But I want to draw us back to what Jesus said. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So our children's ministry should be a prayerful ministry. Our youth group, a prayerful youth group. Our junior high, our senior high, our young adults, our men's groups, our women's groups, our e-groups, our discipleship group should be couched and drenching and saturated with prayer. Amen. I'll say that again. Lord, help us. My house should be called a house of prayer. As we search it, if it's not, then it's not what God himself wants us to be. It's not what he's called us to be. He's not what he calls us. Is a house of prayer. Prayer is our oxygen. A prayerful community. A family that prays together stays together. Everything we do should be saturated with prayer, supplication, and intercession. That we are committed to teaching our church family how to pray in one accord as we see in the book of Acts. With fervency and effectiveness as James says. And we are doing that. I'm so thankful again for what the Lord has done over the years for us. We're learning, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again this morning because I get to because I'm teaching, okay? Our hour of prayer on Saturday over the years has developed into a prayer place where there's one accord. And what the Lord's doing on Saturday mornings, for those of you, usually about 20 of us that gather, I'd love to see that 30, 40, 50. But we bend together and we're praying together and we begin to understand and, and it's, it's as though we're just one person. There's just one accord. You read the book of Acts, they, pray, they lifted their voices in one accord and they prayed. I often say, well, what does that mean? And so we've been instructing ourselves on that and learning how to do that. Young adults, Monday night, which is going to change, I believe, come September to to an e-group. But on Monday night, we are gathering, my wife and I and some young adults, and we're praying for the young adults' ministry. Just trying to instruct that again. Breathe that breath of prayer into the life of our fellowship. We have a seniors group that gets together and prays. We, we pray together as a staff on now Wednesday, uh, Wednesday at 10.15 for an hour. I would love to see every week have an hour of prayer. That's what happened at the temple. It ought to be happening here. Praying without ceasing. 
we want to continually ask this question. What and how can prayer change what's going on? This happened, let's pray. This is going on, let's pray. This is what we're thinking, let's pray. That our Sunday services are only complete when prayer is the response. That doesn't necessarily mean coming forward, but it means there's a response of, with God in communion with him to his word, to worship. Ongoing, multiplied, daily prayer warriors. And I believe a lot of you are that. So my house shall be called a house of prayer. The church was birthed at a prayer meeting. That's what they were doing. They were praying. And God birthed the church through a prayer meeting. Now what I want to do, I want to give you four reasons to pray. And yes, it is an acrostic. Don't you like that? P-R-A-Y. It helps me. If, you, if it helps you, great. But before I do that, what I'm going to do as I share just four simple things with you is I'm going to be quoting from two old-time Methodists who I received regular encouragement from who rekindled my conviction of the need that I have to get back to prayer. And let me say it again, to get back to prayer because I, as well as you know, how easy it is to get away from praying. Samuel Chadwick was a Wesleyan Methodist minister who lived in the UK from 1860 to 1932. E.M. Bounds was an American author and attorney, a Methodist, who lived about the same time, 1835 to 1913. E.M. Bounds wrote nine books on prayer. They're, they're really short little chapters. I use that book in my personal devotions, not all the time, but I go back to them. And when I read a little chapter, it just reminds me again, you have to be a praying man. I would encourage both of those books, those authors, to you this morning. E.M. Bounds particularly. This is what uh, Chadwick said. Quote, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. Unquote. Prayer is our oxygen. It does not matter if we are walking at sea level or scaling the heights of Mount Everest, 29,000 feet. We cannot live without it. Physically, God created it so. Spiritually, it's the same thing. Our breath, spiritually, is prayer. Without prayer, we're going to be gasping for our spiritual breath. Prayer is our spiritual conditioning for the long haul. Have you been watching the Olympics? I just last night we watched that 10,000 meter, 24 laps around the track. Anybody see that? I'm watching those guys and I'm out of breath just watching them. I mean, 24 times, six point something miles. And they're going at a pace that I couldn't keep up with them for 50 feet. And there they go. Let me tell you something, that, that didn't happen. They trained rigorously for four years to be able to do what they did and what they do. So I watched that, and then I watched the 1,500-meter freestyle swimming. Now, that's 30 lengths of the pool. Again, I couldn't keep up with it for 10 feet in the pool. 
But there they, there they go. Conditioning. It's our spiritual conditioning for the long haul. Prayer is. It's exercising our, if you will, our spiritual lungs to cause them to grow. To be able to go further in spiritual things. As we go about life as a Christian, as we go about life as the church, we must exercise ourselves in prayer every step of the way lest we lose heart and faint. We are told to pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. E.M. Bounds, spiritual work is taxing work, and men are loath to do it. Praying, true praying, costs an outlay of serious attention and of time, which flesh and blood do not relish, unquote. Can you agree with that? Not just praying, but he's focused on prayer, but spiritual things require exercising ourselves, as Paul told Timothy, to godliness. Exercise itself is profitable for the temporal things, but godliness is profitable for all things. Because it's that promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Our exercising physically is important. Although I haven't quite put it at the priority list yet. But spiritual exercise, which exercising ourselves unto godliness is profitable for all things. Because that's promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Are you exercising yourself Daily in the things that are spiritually, that spiritually matter. Isaiah chapter 40, many of you probably maybe even have this as a favorite verse. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. To me, that's prayer. That's spending time with God. That's exercising myself in my time with the Lord. So here's the first one. Prayer prevails. Prayer prevails. It proves more powerful than any opposing forces. Do you believe that? Prayer prevails. There is no power like that of prevailing prayer. Abraham pleading for Sodom. Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night. You know, we might think of prayers, oh, I'm so faithful. No, no, no. Prayer is communion with God in the honesty of reality. Saying, Lord, here's what's going on. So Abraham pleading for Sodom. Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night. Moses standing in the breach. Hannah intoxicated with sorrow. David heartbroken with remorse and grief. And ultimately Jesus sweating great drops of sweat as blood as it were his sweat. You add to that list 
your own personal experiences, your own personal observations. That's prayer. It prevails. It proves more powerful than opposing forces. Samuel Chadwick, the prayer that prevails is not the work of lips and fingertips. It is the cry of a broken heart and the travail of a stricken soul. I think of Hannah, David, and many others. That's prayer. That's prevailing prayer. Again, Samuel Chadwick, prayer prevails. It turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. I love it, unquote. That's prayer. And by the way, when he reads men, you can slash it with women too. It's us, the church. Jesus said, when you pray, say, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom, the power. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. He says, Lord, you gotta deliver me. Lead me not into temptation. What's he saying? That God leads us into temptation? No. James says God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he's drawn by, away by his own desires and enticed. And when desires are conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Now what he's saying is you need to pray because when you get to those decisive points where there's temptation and there's God's way and your way, you will take God's way. The devil's going to be right there to tempt you away from God's will, away from God's work. And so you need to pray. I need to pray. Pray that, that do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus said to his disciples in that garden, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Prayer prevails. The spirit indeed is willing Jesus said to them, but the flesh is weak. And are you not thankful that God understands our weaknesses? God understands that we are just dust. He gets that. He knows that. He understands that. And he's saying, so here's what you do. You need to exercise. You need to pray. You need to watch. You need to stay awake. Jesus also said to his disciples, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the coming of the rooster, crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch, pray. He said, therefore, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And that's why Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. We pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and, in him, and you and him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I labored more abundantly than them all, but yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Prayer is a, is a means of God gracing our lives and our prayers as well as our prayers for others are key. Pray. Prayer prevails. Peter said, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I believe we are living in the last days. But I'm not the only one that believes that. They've been believing that for a long time. Why? Because we don't know. Jesus said that. He said, you got to be living and praying, realizing it could end at any time. You know, we don't know... 
maybe next week one of you isn't going to be here. Maybe I won't be here. We'll walk out of here. Are, are, we, are we ready? Are we prayerful? Are we watching? Of course, the, as far as prayer prevailing, Ephesians 6 is a key passage, and I hope that you read that often, because Paul said in Ephesians 6.10, he said, finally, my brethren, he's wrapping up the, the, this whole book, which is a fantastic book about living in the heavenlies and living in the earth as heavenly people. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You look at that thing and go, oh man, I better be praying. I'm in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness and wicked in, in, in heavenly places. Therefore, he said, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We have a battle. Prayer prevails. So he said, stand there for having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says this, praying always. Praying always. Doesn't end there. With all prayer and supplication for all the saints. And then he adds this, which I find is just, is just incredibly um, encouraging. And he says, and pray for me. Paul said that. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul said, you got to pray for me because I get timid too. I get discouraged too. We all do. That's why we need prayer and we need to be understanding the battle that we're in. We need to be praying always with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. Being watchful to stand with all perseverance and supplication. Ian Bounds, the men who have done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees. God help me, help you. Let's get on our knees before God. And the things that we're facing, the things that are going on. No temptation is taking you, but such is a common demand. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation give you a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I believe that door of escape is prayer. I'm going to God in prayer, and I'm making choices now. Lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. I'm going to prayer saying, God, what, what would you have me to do? How should I handle And God gives me those unctions, fills me with the Spirit, and I can make the choices and find that way of escape that I may be able to bear it. I find that often in difficult situations, my greatest need is to do nothing but wait on God. Pray. Spend time with him. Allow him through his word to encourage me, build me up, fill me up again. I've made so many mistakes by reacting rather than waiting. Prayer prevails over corruption. 
It prevails over deception. It prevails over division. It prevails over emotion. Prayer does that. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what it says. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That picture there is a soldier has been sent to your heart to stand guard over the door of your heart. He will stand and grant you peace. I find in the battles of life, if I can just have the peace of God, I can begin to find that way of escape. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. That peace of God that is so prevailing over many of the currents and washings of waves that come over our lives. His peace. Prayer prevails. Secondly, prayer reminds. It causes us to remember what really matters. And often we don't take the time to wait on the Lord. We really lose sight. We lose perspective. We lose priority. Prayer reminds us, number one, of God. Bounds again. The church is looking for better methods. God's looking for better men. Prayer reminds us what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayer, unquote. Prayer reminds us that God, reminds us of God and what he wants to do and what he wants, what he's capable of doing through us, these fractured, frail people. It reminds us of our need for God. It's as though, it's like the oxygen that revives the fire. Prayer revives us with God. We have a desperate need for oxygen. We have a desperate need for God, and thus we have a desperate need for prayer. Prayer is the language of man, of a man burdened with a sense of need for God. To be too busy with God's work to commune with God is the highway to backsliding. And let me tell you, I know that very well as far as too busy doing what God's doing things rather than spending time with God can draw me away from that very strength that I need in prayer. As I said, prayer reminds us of God. It reminds us to be thankful and praise the Lord. It reminds us of the harvest, the work. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends laborers. Reminds us there's a harvest. There's a work for us out there. And God said, it's already there. The harvest is ready. Just, you got to lift up your eyes and see. I think lifting up our eyes many times is in prayer to see it. Yesterday in our prayer meeting, this came out. We prayed that very thing. Ian Bounds said, talking to men for God is a great thing. Talking to men for God is a great thing. But talking to God for men is greater still. Prayer. He will never talk well and with real success to men for God 
who has not learned well how to talk to God for men. Intercession, bringing people to God, believing, believing that when I pray, God's pleased. As I intercede for people, God's working. Third, prayer answers. Prayer answers. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now it's interesting to me, that's a little acrostic too, A-S-K. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So when I ask, I believe what God is saying there is my provision will be taken care of. What I need, when I ask, he will give it. He, I will receive that. That's my provision. Secondly, when I seek, meaning I have questions. In prayer, when I seek, I will find. God will bring answers to my questions if I will pray and seek answers. Knock means I'm see, I, I need direction, Lord. I need to know what door would you have me to go through or what door have you closed. So in prayer, as I knock, it will be open. And if it's not open, I don't want to go there. Can I hear an amen? My direction, prayer is so key to my provision, my questions, and my direction. Pray, ask, seek, knock. I love, yesterday, Pastor Paul, in our prayer meeting, as we were talking about prayer, he said, if we're not asking, are we truly trusting? So that is a great little question. If we're not asking, are we truly trusting? The divine attention, Chadwick, to detail is amazing. Nothing is too trivial for omniscience. These are old, he's an old guy writing. I love that. The divine attention to detail is amazing. God cares about every little detail of your life and my life. It's not getting past him. There's no rogue molecules in the whole of the universe. The very hairs of your head are numbered. If you go into the depths of the sea, God's there. You can't get out of, but my question is, why would you want to? Why would you want to flee? Why would you want to, hey, if God cares, every little detail, come straight to God. Do not bother other people. God knows. Ask, seek, knock. Pastor Jim Symbol has said, prayer is like a table. God spreads the table, says, what do you need? Just pull up to the table and taste and see the Lord is good. He will provide. He will bring answers. He will give direction. Lay all your questions naked before him. He will make it plain. Now, sometimes we don't like the plainness of a, no, no. We don't like the plainness, but hey, that's what we really desire in, a, in, in hearing the voice of God. Okay, I, I, I see that. Okay, I'll wait. You see, prayer is never to get my will done. It's to get God's will done. Prayer changes me because God changes not. And the final one is that prayer yields. Again, the purpose of prayer is never to get my will done, but to get God's will done. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done in prayer. And that's what we want, is it not, brothers and sisters in the Lord? 
Not my will, but your will. Prayer changes me. It causes yieldedness in my heart to God's will and God's work. It yields the fruit of eternal life. Prayer is the means by which a person comes to God to be born again by his spirit. It bears eternal life. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Prayer is that means by which God brings life and furthers his work. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. As I sow to the spirit, I reap everlasting life. Prayer is sowing to the spirit. God's word is sowing to the spirit. Serving is sowing to the spirit. Being obedient is sowing to the spirit. And as I sow and sow, whatever I sow, I will reap. If I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap corruption. I sow to the spirit, I reap everlasting life. You see, it yields fruit. It yields me to the will of God. It yields me to the work of God. That's what prayer does. So prayer prevails. Prayer reminds, prayer answers, and prayer yields. So I hope I'm encouraging you to keep at it. Be intentional. Say, okay, when am I going to have time for God today? When am I going to spend time to pray about these things that have been so discouraging, so difficult? What am I going to do about these things that I'm powerless to do anything? But you're not powerless if you're prayerful. God is wanting to work through your life in your prayers to do amazing things. He wants to work in our life as a church, this family, to do amazing things. If we're going to be making disciples, if we're going to be effective in outreach, we've got to keep this center my house shall be called a house of prayer. So if I could have the worship team come up, would you stand with me and let's bow our hearts before the Lord and stand before him and say, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name for just the, the work of your Holy Spirit in us individually and the work of your Holy Spirit in us as a church that this body which is a temple of the Holy Spirit would be a house of prayer individually and then Lord that Calvary Chapel South would be a house of prayer and you said for all nations so Lord we ask we would pray give us Lord just a the humility to see what is really pulling us away from that distracting us from that distorting anything that when we come together when people come here when you Lord look at this place there's nothing you want to drive out there's no rebuke there's simply that 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 voice that we hear well done keep at it that you're pleased and Lord, I think of the, Re- the churches in Revelation, seven of them. Five of them you, you call to repentance. So Lord, again, my prayer for me, for us. Whom you love, you chasten. 
We want to receive the engrafted word. It's able to save our souls. And Lord, we can readily acknowledge we want to grow in our prayer life. We want to grow as men and women who pray. Think of James James Dobson's dad, who what he had on his tombstone was he prayed. Please, Lord. We want to have the banner we pray. We're prayerful people. You've promised so much if we'll just wait on you and watch and, and call out to you. You will do great things. And that's, Lord, the desire of our heart. So as we worship together right now, let's just corporately lift our voices to him in prayer and worship and make this sort of a one big prayer to the Lord for us, Calvary Chapel South. An aroma of prayer rising from us. Lord, we we come to you in worship. We come to you in prayer now. Mm -hmm.